Hey guys, JJ here. The Minnesota Rundown is sponsored by the Better Edge app. Better Edge is a legal online social betting marketplace that you can use real money to wager that allows you to post and engage with other sports betting fans, place no commission positions in an online marketplace, compete in direct head-to-head challenges, compete in public or private betting competitions, and buy or sell positions, whether that be spread, over-under, money line at current market prices. Use promo code 10K at betteredge.com to get a free $5 when you sign up and verify your ID. Once again, that's 10K at B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E dot com to get a free $5. This is the Minnesota Rundown, presented by 10,000 Takes. Welcome back to another episode of the Minnesota Rundown presented by 10,000 Takes. I'm, of course, your host, JJ Journalist Jake, because I'm the greatest damn journalist to ever do it until I'm not, until I meet someone like my guest, Brandon Warren. He is the sole founder, the sole man that runs everything at Access Twins. That's accesstwins.substack.com to be specific, be specific. It covers it. It covers everything Minnesota Twins in an independent way. You run everything there, and we're glad to have you on the show, man. We can kind of dive into the Twins and kind of have a, a Twins, I should say, special episode, as depressing as it could be. But I'm glad that uh, you can make it on the on the podcast this week. I'm happy to be here. I thought for a second you were going to say we we're going to have fun, and I was like, well, if we're going to be talking about the 2021 Minnesota Twins, we're, we're probably not going to be having too much fun. But it's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm here for the ride and that's kind of what we're going to do here. So it should be fun. Well, like I was, I was telling you about for the show and just like the listeners tuning in, whether you're tuning into this podcast for the first time, the Minnesota rundown is just a kind of laid back, chill, comedic take on really Minnesota sports and beyond. So we're just here to have a good time making fun of the twins maybe is part of the fun. I don't know. So we'll, we'll definitely see, but Brandon, again, of access twins, I'm glad that you were able to, join us for for today's uh podcast but before we kind of really dive into a lot of twin stuff i don't know if you saw but we were at the twins game last saturday or most of our 10k crew we had it we created a beer snake it's probably one of the i don't know to my knowledge or recollection it's probably the first beer snake ever in target field history and i don't know if you saw it but i you probably did i'm hoping you did but if you did see it can you rate our beer snake on a scale of one to ten Oh, I think you got to give it a 10. It's just a shame that the ushers thought that they needed to put the kibosh on it because it's all in good fun. What are they afraid of? You guys are going to throw it onto the field. And I said, uh, you may have to go back into my tweets at Brandon underscore Warren, but I said the beer snake is way better than the wave. I mean, this is, this is going to sweep the nation if it hasn't already The, the beer snake. I don't know, man, you guys are out in front of a big trend and I appreciate it a lot. Well, I will say that um, uh, I guess allegedly, you know, I, I I was like ten or dozen beers deep, so everything was kind of uh, you know a little blurry. But mm-hmm. uh, all I know, I think we had it running for a little bit. According to the security after the game, from when I was talking to them a little bit, they had mentioned something that someone started throwing cups or something like that. So that's why they shut it down. Allegedly, I don't remember or recall anyone throwing cups. Maybe I was pretty out there pretty out of touch with reality so maybe someone was 
but they didn't actually shut it down solely because of the beer snake. Allegedly, it could be a conspiracy. That's what they're telling us. But allegedly, it was because of someone was starting to throw cups, which I mean, maybe is true because we're all we are holding a bunch of cups. We're all drinking. I don't know what was happening. Maybe do, that was. Do you it. have a give a best guess of how many cups there were? Because I mean, I saw it. But at the end of the day, if I tried to even hazard a guess, I think I'd be way off. Like I, I'd guess like, I don't know, 125, 150, but I bet I'd be super short. Yeah. See, exact. See, that's what I was thinking. We were kind of like, before we went in, we were, we were judging like, okay, how many people are actually going to show up to this and, and like how much would 10 cups look like? Or if we each got like three of us got three beers right away and they had nine cups. I mean, that's not very long. I feel like and maybe a foot, if not that. So it's like, it had to be, I would be way off. I feel like it would be, it had to be like close to a thousand, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. See, my guess would have been a few hundred and that would have been super low because they take, you probably need five or six cups for an inch. That's so it's probably an astounding number that you or I couldn't even count to. Yeah, I, I can't even, I couldn't even imagine. I couldn't picture it, but it was a hell of a lot better. It turned out a hell of a lot better than we thought. Do you, I, I know that some people maybe were upset about maybe the older folks, maybe don't want to see that camaraderie there. But I mean, you got to you got to think that beer snakes belong in all sports, especially baseball. It's got to spice things up a little bit if games are a little slow, especially at Twins games where they're losing, you know, four out of five games, five out of six games. every. You got to spice it up almost every game. And a beer snake, I think, does that. It's way less of a an impedance to fans. The wave is the entire stadium. The yeah, just one section. I think yeah. you, what you guys are doing is God's work, honestly. Yeah, I, I think I think people allegedly we inspired Wrigley Fields uh, Sunday beer snake. I know they've been doing it for for years, but they did do it the day after we did it. They I think they not knocked it out of the water compared to compared to us. But uh, allegedly, people are saying we inspired them to do a Sunday beer snake. I don't know. Good, good. Yeah, Sunday but, beer snake probably is a a little weird in in light of Sunday beer sales. But hey, yes. soldier on. Yeah, why not? But uh, we'll 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 see what we're doing in the future. Ten K might have some stuff in the works with maybe doing some more stuff involving maybe beer. So we'll see where that goes. But let's uh let's start diving into the twins a little bit. Um. So obviously not uh, doing the best. It's probably a little tough to cover them, but it's being part of being a Minnesota fan. You gotta, you know, you gotta go through a lot of the muck, and that just makes it that much better if they do start winning and they're successful. As as hard as that, or as weird as that, is even to think about. But um, you know, there's right now they're, you know, I think they're 26 and 40, something along those lines. You know, it, it's not looking good. It's uh, anybody who's really kind of thinking they're should hold on and try to see if they can get in a rally, I think is starting to lose touch with reality, I think. So I know there's been a lot of talks and if they should be selling right now and be doing all that stuff, should the, do you think in your opinion, a guy who covers the twins a lot extensively looking at this roster and everything like that, should the twins go into sell sell mode? Is it time? What moves should they do if it is time to do so? So I, I've covered the Twins through some pretty lean years. The first year I covered them on a regular basis was 2013, and that team was dreadful. And if you want to know how dreadful they were, on opening day they faced Justin Verlander and they had Vance Worley starting. So I've covered Ooh. some pretty lean years with the Twins. It's It's been pretty ugly. But um, honestly, I don't know how many movers and shakers there are out there right now in terms of a team maybe looking for an Andrelton Simmons or a Nelson Cruz. 
it makes sense that teams would be interested earlier because you can maximize the value they provide you. I mean, if you really love Andrelton Simmons defense, wouldn't that be more valuable for three and a half months as opposed to two months or Nelson Cruz's bat for that long? But again, too, teams are really trying to figure out their identities at this point. And again, that even includes the twins trying to figure out where they're at as much as, as it might be, you know, worth trying to bury them. I think they're going to spend the next four weeks trying to figure out where they are and go from there because I don't know how much the phones are ringing right now. I mean, none of us do. I suppose if, you know, a good, a good offer comes around, they wouldn't be hesitant to listen to it. But at the same time, I think the next four weeks are pivotal. If they're five games under 500, when it comes to July 15th, which is basically, you know, all-star break, which is when teams, I think do a lot of their conversations. Yep. That, that's going to determine where they're at because if they're five games under, but they're 15 or 18 games behind the White Sox, like they are right now, 15 games out, the, the chances just aren't there. With the wild card, it's a lot tougher because you're chasing so many different teams. It's kind of like, you know, everyone's moving and shaking. Someone wins every night. So, again, I, I'd listen to some phone calls right now. I'd start planting some seeds, but I'm not doing anything for another month, I think, is, is probably where I'm at. Yeah, I, I there's just I think a lot of people are antsy. A lot of fans are antsy. Like, okay, no, we're done. Scrap it. But mm-hmm. I, because I, I think I mean I mean I don't know about yourself, but I don't think a lot of people expected them to be in this position in in mid June. I don't know what where did you expect them to be by this time, being a team that was at least competing for the division like they were last year. Forty and twenty six instead of twenty six and forty. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I thought this was a really strong team, top to bottom, and right. Um. You know, my, my blind spot with them was the back end of their rotation. But at the same time, when you look at how this offseason went and how some of the pitchers they might have targeted have fared, James Paxton got hurt. Jose Quintana has been terrible. And, and in fact, I wrote a post about this probably a month ago. So many guys got hurt or injured that it was kind of navigating a minefield that was, was going to be difficult. Now, with that said, Matt Shoemaker and Jay Happ have been healthy. That's been the biggest issue. They've made like 23 starts between the two and they're actively hurting the team. That's the issue. If they hadn't been healthy, at least then you'd be seeing more of Randy Dobnak, Lewis Thorpe, Bailey Ober, which might give you a better chance. The biggest issue is they've been healthy and they've been horrible. And that's a, that's a bad combination. What do you, uh, I know there's probably a lot of opinions out there why they're in this position, but what do you think has been the weakest link? What has been the cause to, what, what is the main reason why the twins are in the position they're in right now at 26 and 40 in the middle of June? Just horrible execution. And everybody wants to point to injuries and injuries have mattered. Right. I bet. I, I don't have the, the lineups in front of me. This is something I'm meaning to go through for my next post on access twins, but I'm willing to bet you could count on one hand, how many times they've had Nelson Cruz, Josh Donaldson and Byron Buxton in the same lineup, which hurts. But look at what the Mets have done with basically a triple-A starting outfield. You don't have to look that far to the White Sox. The White Sox were starting Billy Hamilton before he got hurt. They signed Brian Goodwin off the scrap heap. They're just cruising along. And again, it's not that the Twins can match those guys pitching, but talent-wise, the Twins are right there. It's just a matter of sequencing. They lost that game in Oakland in an embarrassing fashion Mm -hmm. when Travis Blankenhorn failed to field a ground ball that was right at him. 
and Luis arise through a ball basically into the vast expanse beyond first base. And there's just been instances this year where you look at that team and you're like, have these guys played baseball before? I mean, <laughs> you look at a team that won 100-plus games two years ago, and if you extrapolate out their pace last year, it was like 94, 96, 98 wins, something like that. And you have no idea how basically the same roster has completely, completely been flipped on its head this year. And again, I'm not, I'm not just counting the fact that injuries have mattered. They've started, I think, seven left fielders, seven center fielders, and some obscene number in right. But that hasn't been an excuse for teams that are leading their division right now. This is going to be a weird year coming off of last season. And they're not weathering the storm well. I thought they were built to weather the storm. I thought the White Sox weren't. It's been the exact opposite. It's like Freaky Friday. Yeah, it's 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 like uh, I think a lot of people are act, or were act. I think myself, including, you know, you do, we're looking at this roster. The only thing I was worried about going into the season personally as a fan is like this relief pitching kind of scares me a little bit, and it has mm-hmm. been kind of very shady. But everybody else, like. It's just been Kenta Maeda didn't start that great, you know, at and then the got hurt. The yeah. And he, he got hurt and, and we had games where we couldn't hit and when they, when they should have been hitting and it just is very weird. It's like, we're living in a parallel universe almost with, with all this team's playing like 26 and 40, really with this roster, you look at the roster and you're like, damn, yeah. this team should be opposite right now. Like, it's just, it's, it's annoying actually. Well, and the foundation for the bullpen made sense. They had a core four with Robles, Rogers, Duffy, and who am I missing here? Colomay. Colomay, who's yep. been terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then beyond that, you're like, oh, Cody Stashak has been pretty good in the past. Jorge Alcala has been pretty good in the past. Caleb Thielbar has been pretty good in the past. And that still leaves you a handful of interesting guys like, uh, like Luke Farrell, who outside of last night has been pretty good. And Derek Law has some big league experience. Juan Manaya has some big league experience. Both of those guys have already been designated for assignment because they were so bad in the big leagues. And so I see the foundation of what they were trying to do. They thought they had the back end pretty well locked down. And to their, to their credit, I think they had the right idea. But the problem is when your foundation crumbles, Colomay has been terrible. Duffy has really struggled. I mean, Robles has been up and down and Rogers has been pretty good. But when your foundation crumbles, that means you're moving guys into roles they're not comfortable in. You're making Jorge Alcala mm-hmm. face lefties that you normally wouldn't make him face. You're making Caleb Thielbar do the opposite. He's facing righties he wouldn't normally face. And so it all starts from there. When your foundation crumbles, the whole secondary part of everything gets blown to crap. And that's basically what has happened with this team. This is like a 10th percentile outcome. And it's it's like nothing I've ever seen. And I've been a Twins first a fan and now covering them for like 30 years. Oh, geez. That's that. Well, I mean, for about 30 years, you've seen a lot of down years. I mean, you have Mm -hmm. seen those years where they won, you know, they they won divisions a year after a few years in a row and all that stuff. But unfortunately it's, it's annoying too to, to watch this team. Like they haven't won a playoff game in 17 years. And they, they have a disappointing year like the against the Astros last year. But like, okay, now we're going to have a full season. We're getting this full roster. And now they can, probably not even going to make the playoffs. And right. it's just like an, an, another year goes by. Well, I think someone I think someone said, well, the upside of not making the playoffs this year is we, we can't lose in the playoffs again. So 
I don't know. I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather us be in the playoffs, but I mean, that's just the, that's the joke, obviously. Well, yeah. And, and you saw the issues that plagued him in the playoffs, not catching the baseball. And so they're like, well, we'll go get Andrelton Simmons. He's a, yeah. he's a terrific defensive shortstop. And then for the most part, he's been Andrelton Simmons. He just, you know, he looks like a spare part on a team when the team is the Titanic, you know, it's having nice, nice chandeliers, but your, your sim your ship is sinking while big deal. You know, he, he didn't end up being the missing piece because the rest of the boat hit an iceberg and is, is sinking. Yeah. It's too bad. Like he's the kind of guy they brought him in to be that postseason kind of shortstop guy. And now he's not even mm-hmm. going to get the chance to really prove himself. Well, and he, that would sucks. He, he might, but for somebody else. Right. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Honestly, we, it might be a guy we, we sell, get rid of, which would suck. I, I really like him, but mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things where you don't know what they're going to do if they're in getting that exactly. cell mode and they're really going downhill and they need to save money, whatever it may be. But right. I know that there's been call, calls for, you know, a month, everybody's people are getting pissed at Rocco Baldelli and his tactics and analytics and all this stuff. I mean, how much do you think that factors into the, how bad they played to the start of the first couple of months? I mean, does he play a, <laughs> a role in this? Does he have responsibility? I mean, maybe a little, but everything that he's tried to do is blown up in his face. Mm-hmm. Alex Colomay, the last almost a decade yeah. has been one of the most consistent relievers in baseball. And he completely blew up. That hurts a lot. And Josh, Don- basically I think of it this way, the microcosm of this season is Josh Donaldson blowing out his hamstring in the first inning. Mm-hmm. It's just like that, that alone typifies how this season has gone is that he hits a double and blows out his, his hammy. He misses his two weeks or whatever. And by that point, I mean, we'll look back and say the season was done then and probably mm-hmm. be right. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they've played a lot of games since then. And we've all been like, okay, they got to get something going. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, it's, there's a very real chance they were dead in the water in mid April and I didn't want to believe it. Maybe you didn't want to believe it, but that's, that's the truth and the fact of the matter. Well, after that, in that first game too, beyond that, when they blew that lead in the, in extra innings or blew it in the ninth, they went the extra innings. And that I think is a terrible rule. Second guy being on second base. I I don't know your thoughts. I think that's a disadvantage to them but they 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 blew a ninth inning lead and then they went in extras and lost i'm like this i i know this is game one of 162 but i don't i just this does not give me a good feeling i am feeling very pessimistic right now it, and it kind of reminded me of how the wild used to be in overtime it was just yep. like a guarantee yep. that they couldn't keep up three on you three know, yep you knew they're gonna lose yep. yeah it, it's not that you haven't built a team that can't compete it's when you have a skills competition or some kind of thing that puts the chips at a disadvantage for you. And you, you can't compete the same way you do when you build a team by the regular rules of the game. And now I, I don't like, you know, you mentioned it. I don't particularly care for this rule. If it started in the 11th or 12th inning, fine. Right. But give me, give me regular baseball for a little while before you go into whatever this is. This is a, I mean, you could give me a home run derby. You could give me whatever, but this is, this is an abomination. Yeah. I think that, and, and you can look back on that and, and cause I think the twins, I think in their first 10 games, they had like three or four or five, almost, I think almost half their 
set of their first 10 games went to extra innings and they lost. And I think they mm-hmm. started 0 7. Their record still isn't good, but I think they've won a couple as of late in extras. Mm-hmm. But that that contributed, I think that rule contributed to their rough start. <laughs> like I think they started, I, I think it I think they would have got a couple of those games back if it was just the normal rule, honestly, and they wouldn't have started as rough. I mean, it's all hypothetical, but yeah, that didn't help to have that yeah, stupid they didn't get, rule in place. They didn't get overtime points like the wild day right. where you're talking almost feel the like they should have. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Half a win or something like that. Yeah. So that, that annoyed the, that annoyed the living hell out of me. I think that definitely contributed to something yep. with that, but for sure. Moving away from like being more pessimistic with the twins. I know there maybe are some pauses take away from this team. Possibly, you know, I know Josh Donaldson has been hitting very well. There's still fun things to watch about the team, but one thing I've been, you know, really looking at, you know, is some of these promising prospects that have been making, you know, appearances as of later, the guys that are making their debuts or guys that fairly played with the twins, but you know, are making their, you know, playing now more in the majors and, you know, guys like Larnick, we've seen Nick Gordon, um, Celestino and Rob Refschneider, some of these guys, these newer guys coming up, uh, you know, very promising guys, but which, uh, which prospect or prospects are, are you um, most excited for making the biggest impact in the future of this uh, franchise from what you've seen so far this year? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's Larnick and Kirilov. And I think a lot of people believe yeah, Kirilov, they were yeah. very, yeah, they were very similar players, but they're, they're corner outfielders and, and Kirloff might end up playing some first base when, when everything kind of shakes out, because if, if Buxton is healthy and everyone's healthy, maybe Sano sits down a little bit more if he's going to strike out every other time that he hits, but Kirloff is, is going to be a gap to gap kind of guy who will hit doubles. He should have a pretty good approach at the plate. should hit for pretty good contact. Larnick's got pretty good opposite field power. He seems to have a pretty good idea of what he wants to do at the plate but is going to have to prove that he can hit both off speed and breaking pitches because right now he's absolutely annihilating fastballs as far as what I've seen and pitchers are attacking him a lot with changeups, especially, but curveballs, sliders, and it's all part of the acclimation process, but he was, he's a young hitter who was uh, a college kid The Kirilov and him are probably more different than they are similar, even though, They've both been kind of fringe top hundred prospects, but Kirilov was the high school kid. Yeah. He got hurt. He's got more, I think, of a polished um, approach at the plate in terms of contact. But Kirilov went to college and he's he's got more power, I think. And I think they're both going to be really fun, but they're a lot more dissimilar than they are similar. It's just going to be interesting to see how it all settles down in terms of where they play because Max Kepler signed for the long term. Miguel Sano is signed for you know, a couple more years. And so does, does Sano eventually move to DH and replace Cruz? Do they trade Cruz? Do they bring Kirilov into first base? Does Kepler or Buxton ever stay healthy? Does Buxton leave at the end of next year in free agency? Where does Royce Lewis fit in? I mean, it's, there's so many questions that they need to answer in the next like 18 months that honestly, I think are going to be fascinating because I do like, the path that this front office has taken, it hasn't worked this year, but I think they're on the right track. And as much as it probably seems weird for me to be positive, um, you know, I think their concepts are good. Sometimes their execution is bad. And that's, you know, that happens to guys like you and me in life too. We have the right idea and we just don't finish off what we're trying to do. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very interesting with this team because they have some 
they have these exciting guys coming up, but then it just poses so many questions, right? Like you said, Buxton, you know, he's, it seems like every single year, like something like this happens where he's injured for a long period of time and, and he's, he's just out. I, I, I thought he maybe had a little momentum going where like, Oh yeah, a couple of these small injuries, but he's recovering. And now he's just hits the wall or whatever. And he's, he's out. And then it, it, and it does allow for these younger guys to come in, but you start looking at contracts and all that. It's just kind of a mess and it's, yeah, they got to make some decisions here and you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens. Well, between him and Barrios, they're both free agents at the end of, of next year. And can you get one? Can you get both? Can you get neither? I think you'd like nothing more than to give Byron Buxton a hundred million dollars over five years and hope that he stays healthy and plays 140 games in at least three of those years, if not four or five, but where's the proof that that's going to be the case. And where's the proof that Buxton or sorry, Barrios is interested in sticking around here. And maybe he just wants to see what free agency has to offer. And if you're the highest bidder in free agency, whether you're the twins or whoever else you get him, some guys want to go to free agency and it's totally, totally understandable. There's a lot of money in free agency when you're, how old he's going to be, but there's a lot of risk before then. Does your arm blow out? Does your shoulder start barking? Does your forearm start? You know, I mean, look at Michael Pineda. Pineda is a free agent at the end of the year. The Mm -hmm. first time he hit free agency, he had Tommy John surgery. The second time he hit free agency, he was suspended for banned substances. This is his third time hitting free agency and he's dealing with a forearm and an elbow. Sometimes you can't make it up. Sometimes it just happens to you that free agency comes at a bad time and you don't get paid the way you hope to. I mean, look at Lance Lynn. He became a free agent. The twins signed him because he was on the bargain bin. He sat in free agency all year long. Then the next year, he got a three-year deal for way less than he hoped for from the Rangers. And now he's playing off the string with the White Sox, hoping to get a big contract now. Well, now he's over 30 and it's it's not going to be there. So I, I hope that the twins and Barrios can find a middle ground. I hope that twins and Buxton can find a middle ground. But it's a lot harder with Buxton when he just doesn't stay healthy. Barrios has been healthy and he's been pretty good. You can find a middle ground there. With Buxton, I'm just not sure you can find it. Yeah, he's a risk to try mm-hmm. to sign him like over five. And you know, to get him to stay, he's going to want, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. But then it's like, well, dude, are you going to be getting, are you going to get injured like nine figures. 10 games he's, into the season? He's going to want nine figures and he's going to want five yeah. or six years. And he, justifiably so. He right. could beat George Springer. George Springer got a huge contract with the Blue Jays. He was two years younger than Springer. Springer's played like a handful of games this year for the Blue Jays, and they're still great, but they gave him a whole pile of money to not play. Nobody wants to do that with Byron Buxton, whether it's the Twins or the Braves, you know, his hometown Braves or whoever it is. We'll see mm-hmm. what happens. Yeah, where's uh, so where's Josh Donaldson on his contract? Is did we, How many years did we sign him for? Four. So he's halfway through oh, it at the end of this halfway. season. I mean, okay. so here's the deal. Don't call him old because he's the same age I am. Right. <laughs> so if you call him old, I'm going to take that personally. But, um, right. you know, from a baseball standpoint, not everyone ages like Nelson Cruz does. When Nelson Cruz signed a five-year deal with the Mariners, I thought that was kind of steep. He produced through those five years and now through yeah. almost three years with the Twins. Sometimes guys just keep on trucking into their late thirties and early four, early forties. 
And if Donaldson does that, that wouldn't surprise me. He takes meticulous care of his body. He's, he's in good shape. His, his wheels kind of have uh, betrayed him both with Toronto at the end and now with the twins, as far as calves and hamstrings, but he's got two years left. If he's healthy, I think he's going to mash. And the problem is how do you keep him healthy? But at this point, I just, I don't see any way you could trade him or, or even try to trade him. And if you do, it doesn't look good for handing out a big contract in the future to a free agent. When you say, Hey, we'll give you a big deal, but we'll trade you halfway through that deal. It's kind of like, yeah, the Marlins did with, with Mark Burley and Jose Reyes and, you know, a few other guys they've done that with in the past. Yeah. That wouldn't look good. I mean, and, and they got Josh Donaldson as kind of like their big star. They actually dug into their pockets a little bit to go get him because the twins mm-hmm. are notorious for being penny pitchers. Right. So yep. to get a guy like him and just try to get rid of him to do something, I think would be asinine. He's been playing good when he's healthy. He's literally an all-star. He's, he's an all-star player yep. and he's a guy you can build around. And to have him on the team is just special. He's the bringer of rain. You got a guy that's kind of a big name guy that has a nickname. And I mean, Nelson Cruz is that, you know, is kind of like that guy too. But Josh Donaldson is that big name kind of guy, household name in, in baseball that's mm-hmm. been consistent that, you know, you could see winning some World Series, you know, whether it's with the Twins or, or you know, in the future at least. But I don't know. He's a guy that I think they – you know, you can't just get rid of him here halfway through. He, he's got, this. yeah, he's got some big postseason moments with the Blue Jays, and he's the kind of guy you you signed to put the cherry on the top of the Sunday, so to speak. They had a great team in 2019, and they added him to that mix, thinking he was the, you know, he was the fourth heat or the missing, mm-hmm. missing ingredient. And they made it to the playoffs and got swept by the Astros. And do you remember who wasn't playing at that time? Josh Donaldson. It was kind of like, uh, I don't know. It was very twinsy for him to not be on the field for the uh, ALDS as, as it was. Right. Like, cause, cause yeah. Cause like last year he didn't play, he didn't make an appearance in the um, Astros series, which right. I think was it. I think it, it didn't, you have a player for a reason. You can't mm-hmm. sit here and tell me like he didn't make any impact. I know it's a hypothetical, but like, that's what we have on band, the big bucks to go out there. And I know like, I'm not necessarily bad at him because he, he's injured, but like I'm just saying in general, like we're missing a player like that in the playoffs. And you look back to his time in, in Toronto, they were swept and he still wasn't on the field. Like you can find a trend there. Like he's a, a team guy, I think, that brings energy to the team. I mean, you got to love the mullet and all that shit. I mean, you just, he's got that, he's got that personality that excites fans and everything. And I think that just ignites a team as well. Well, and this is the the best defensive left side of the infield they've had since probably Gagne and Gaetti in the late 80s, mid 80s. And their thought was that's what they were missing, picking up the baseball, because Luis Arise is a bit of a butcher at second base, and Mm -hmm. Jorge Polanco was getting better at short, but he was never close to Andrelton Simmons. And Josh Donaldson versus Miguel Sano at third base, I mean, that's a swash match, man. Yeah, night day. Yeah, a night and day. So they thought what they were doing was was putting the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, the cake was rotting from the yeah. inside out. And they weren't I'll, really aware of it. And none of us were, to be honest. Well, like it circles back to the uh, what we were talking about on Andre, Dalton Simmons. Like they get this piece, but then every other piece just starts deteriorating. They get one piece to fill that gap, but then there's mm-hmm. another leak. You know, it's just like, it's, yeah. it's just. I mean, I mean, look at every time someone's gotten healthy. Kenta Maeda came back as they were putting Michael Pineda on the injured list. I mean, 
you can't make it up. It's, it's one step forward and two steps back at every turn. And you've already dug a hole and your offense is doing a pretty good job, but you're pitching compared to the rest of the league with all this sticky stuff and the, 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 whatever, I don't remember what they call the sticky stuff that the pitchers have been using. Pine tar. Yeah. All that stuff. Like when you look at league numbers, the twins already lagged behind because they couldn't keep up with the teams who were achieving great results this year. And the White Sox especially were one of them. And so when your pitching is bad and then you take into context that the rest of the league is so much better because they're using this stuff, that just makes the gap that your offense has to close that much bigger. And their offense has, has dealt with a lot of injuries, you know, pretty much every big guy, outside of Jorge Polanco has dealt with some kind of injury and, and you know, you can't sleep on that as a, as an effect, you know, I never thought Rob ref Snyder would be taking big plate appearances in, in late May and June. Did you? Yeah. No, hell no. <laughs> no, idea. It's gr- no idea. It's great to watch, but then it's kind of one of those things like, Oh, well, if he's in, that means things are not going the greatest. Right. I mean, well, not I necessarily, mean, I, but. I, I mean, I don't know how old you are, but. I grew up in an era where we rooted for Lou Ford and that's basically yeah. what Red Snyder was, was the modern day Lou Ford who just, uh, you know, comes out of nowhere. Granted, Ref Snyder did play with the Yankees, but he was terrible. Mm-hmm. And he was just kind of this fun. Everybody could get behind him, get real excited. And he wasn't a center fielder. He was a second baseman who had played a little bit of outfield in college. And all of a sudden he's playing pretty good center field and he's hitting the ball. And then he hits the wall in Baltimore and it kind of all ends like that. And again, too, every single time the twins have had something good start, that's what's happened. Something like that, whether it's mm-hmm. <laughs> metaphorical or actually hitting the wall and getting a concussion and messing up your hamstring and all those different things. Like they've broken through the fourth wall, not only physically, but metaphorically. And it's, it's unbelievable how bad it's gotten. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's gets to a point where it's really kind of annoying and frustrating to watch, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's the life of being a Minnesota fan in general with all, almost all of our teams, you know, but it's yep. just another, another thing watching the twins, but you know, not, not, not a lot to be optimistic about in, in this season, but that kind of, you know, brings me to, you know, the last thing I want to talk about. And I saw you mentioned in a tweet that, which is crazy to me. I thought there maybe would have been more teams, but I guess it doesn't surprise me, I guess, in the end. But uh, you had tweeted that there has been only one team in the World Series era that started the season with 26 wins or fewer in their first 65 games and made the playoffs. And it was the Boston who ended up sweeping the World Series, um, which is insane. And um, so I, I guess what are the chances for there to be uh, a team number two in that it could be the – Minnesota Twins. So chance that that team swept the Philadelphia A's. That was Connie Mack, who is considered one of the best managers of all time. And that Boston Braves team had some really great players, including a baby-faced shoeless Joe Jackson. I might add. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's going to take a run. There's no denying it. It's going to take a 2006, some kind of 20 and 24, 20 and 25 
in terms of like 20 wins in 25 games. It's going to take one of those bonkers bananas runs. And I think a lot of people expected something like that to come against the Royals and Orioles the last couple of weeks. And it didn't come. And then last week it was like, well, you're facing the Yankees and the the Astros. It's not going to come then. Here's my thought. The, the White Sox are not going to run away with the division because of the injuries they've dealt with. And I don't think Carlos Rodon can stay healthy and this good for the whole season. I don't think Lance Lynn is going to carry a sub two ERA all season long. So I still am on the wreckage that remains of the 2021 twins. Now I might be the last one. I might be the one looking for a lifeboat. I might be looking for a life jacket. I might be looking Mm -hmm. for a flare gun to get someone to come and rescue me. But I believe in the talent of this team. When you look at the lineup day in and day out, you look at that, you see a shell of a team that should be pretty darn good. One through three, Kenta Maeda, Jose Barrios, and Michael Pineda should be pretty good. The back end of their bullpen should be pretty good. And they should be able to mix and match with guys like Luke Farrell and Mm -hmm. Caleb Thielbar. And a bunch of other guys. I just, I see the, the framework for a really good team. And it's astonishing mm-hmm. to me how bad they've been. I don't I see know. a team that should be contending for a top five draft pick. It should be a bottom five draft pick. And so it's going to be hard for me to give up on this and, until another month has passed. And then when we're sitting at the all-star break, talking about the fact that the twins only got one all-star because they're going to have a, you know, a token representative because they're so bad. Uh, at that point, I'll probably jump off the wreckage, put my life jacket on and float to safety. But honestly, man, I'm going down with the ship. This team is so talented. I can't understand how they're playing this badly. Even with injuries, it's inexcusable. So you're telling me there's a chance. There's always That's where a I'm chance, at. right? That's where I'm at. I'm, I'm at that like one in a million this could be angels on the outfield. It could be little big league. It could be basically whatever Disney movie you want to invoke, whether it's baseball or any other sport, mighty ducks. I don't care. Yep. I'm right. I'm right there where it's like, this team could still do it. And I know I'm the one of the last ones on that, yeah. on that bus, on that wreckage, on that bandwagon, but I'm there. I'm still there. We're creating, we're creating a kid's movie. This team is going to be like your typical sports kid's movie where they start off bad, but then they, they get somebody in there. I don't know. I don't know if Rocca Baldelli should bring in some spiritual crazy guy that's going to teach him to play baseball again or something Gordon like in some movie. Gordon Bombay. Yeah. Bring him in. Emilio Estevez. Emilio! Emilio, come back. Come yes. coach the twins and just yes. be your Gordon B- Bombay character. Or, they don't have a bench coach. The bench coach passed away in the offseason. Bring yeah. in Emilio. Emilio! Yeah. You know, or, that's or, what it's going to be. Or you know what? Screw it. Bring in Kurt Russell, and he can act as Herb Brooks. Sure. Do something like that. Something that will give this team some Disney magic. Or bring in the guy from Coach. I don't care. It, yeah. You know, I, I don't remember the guy's name from Coach. You can bring in Dauber for all I care, the guy from the, the Minnesota Screaming Eagles back in the day. Bring in, I don't care what it is. I believe in this team and I'm going to be the last person to believe in this team. Even when they have like a 1% chance of making the playoffs is according to fan graphs, baseball prospectus, 538, mm-hmm. any of those geeky publications that people don't probably care that much about. Right. They all say the twins have a very minuscule chance, but I'm still in, I'm still in. I can't help it. It's all, it's all just numbers in the end, man. It's all just numbers. 
anything is possible until they're right. statistically eliminated from the playoffs, man. Anything is possible. So you never exactly. know. Exactly. You never know. And I, I hope we bring some sort of optimism to the, to the fan that it has jumped off ship and mm-hmm. has jumped to safety. Maybe they'll swim back a little bit. Let, let's just wait and see. But I, so. I, I know that that might be people might be, you know, looking at someone like you or even someone like me is, is being delusional, but you know what, you got to keep some sort of optimism and, you know, some sort of hope with, with, with any team and you look at this team mm-hmm. and they do look good. They should be good. So anything's possible, you know, mm-hmm. just, just bring on ML, Emilio Estevez or somebody ignite the team. Let's just do it. There's a hundred games left or something to that effect. 90, 96 games left. Still plenty of time to figure it out. 120%. Well, I think that about does it wraps everything up. I wanted to talk about with you, Brandon Warren. I appreciate you for, for coming on the, this Minnesota Rundown episode, talking twins again, guys, you can follow Brandon on Twitter. He's at Brandon underscore Warren, but then you can also follow at access twins and go to his site. There's a link right on your Twitter. I know there's links right on your Twitters right there, but it's access twins.substack.com. And that, that's correct link, right? I'm just, that's what I saw yep. online there. Perfect. Yep. Yeah. And it's uh it's free. I, I like people to put in their email address so that they're on the mailing list, but mm-hmm. any, any amount of money that comes through there, whether it's PayPal, Venmo, or an actual membership is greatly appreciated, but not required. And anybody who does a membership or donates at least uh, a few bucks gets one of these. So it's an oh, access wow. twins hat. I'm just kind of repping, but it's backwards. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of repping my guys here too, but uh, yeah, 20 bucks gets you a hat or $50 gets you a yearly subscription with a free hat. So I have four black hats left. We've shipped out 50, believe it or not, hats in the last month. So it's, it's been pretty cool to see people get real excited about independent twins coverage. Yeah. I was going to say one of the best, I, I, I know I've, I've taken a look at some of your articles on there. Great stuff. You know, you know, I love that independent coverage and taking an independent approach outside of the mainstream news because you there's so much different opinions and takes and 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 so many people's you know the more brains we have in on it beyond just the the quote-unquote professional journalists it's the better it is to especially like a team like the twins you know everybody wants to consume everything twins so and you're definitely contributing to that independent coverage and keep it up man we we appreciate you putting that stuff out but uh, I want to thank you again Brandon for for coming on uh, this episode of the Minnesota Rundown talking twins and Hopefully maybe we can see them turn it around. I mean, do you have any, do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? Honestly, as bleak as it. And giving up in a summer or on a summer before it starts, because think about it. What's more fun than an evening at the ballpark when it's 72 degrees and you can have a beer and you can hang out with your family or your friends. And, you know, we're, we're moving past COVID so we can actually go to games and, and hang out with people again. It'd be easy to give up on the summer before it starts, but what's the fun in that? Why not believe in something? So I'm still holding out hope. I know it's hope against hope and it's not likely, but you know what? I'm an, I'm an eternal dreamer and that's what I'm going to do. Exactly. I mean, just go to go to the game, enjoy it, regardless of all the team is doing. It's a beautiful ballpark. Make a beer steak. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, uh, Exactly. You got to do it. But uh, again, guys, if you want to also follow follow us, all of our stuff at 10,000 Takes, follow us at 10K Takes on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're also on TikTok. Uh, go and check out our blogs. We also have, do have some great independent comedic blogs on our website, 10KTakesMN.com. 
You can also go to 10ktakesmn.com slash shop to see any of our merch that is still available. Again, I want, and you can also check out our other podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Iron Radio. We have It's a Bit, that's streaming. Uh, also, we have Wild Takes, our Minnesota Wild-based podcast. But again, I want to thank on Brandon Warren of Access Twins for joining us on this episode of the Minnesota Rundown. I am JJ. Have a good rest of your week, everybody.